Let's take our Bibles for a few minutes before we come to the Lord's table and open to the epistle of James. We have a lesson in verses 2 through 4. Let us briefly remind ourselves of it and we'll look at it in more depth next Sunday. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If you want to be a complete Christian and conform to the image of Jesus Christ, then you must learn patience. And patience is cheerfully and faithfully enduring troubles. Therefore, the only way to get patience is to count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. These temptations being infirmities, persecutions, afflictions, troubles that come into our lives. That is why the first verse says, count it all joy. Because the end product of being complete and entire is impossible without these difficulties coming into your life. And so I promise you on the authority of God's Word that they are going to come. But when they come, count it all joy and run to the rock that is higher than you and find your refuge there. Do not despair in your faith. Do not resent the trials. Do not resent the giver of the trials. Because they're for your perfection. This patience here is what will make you perfect. You may be a thankful person. You may be a joyful person. You may be a loving person. But are you a patient person? There's only one way to find out, and it's not in the halls of prosperity. It's in the valleys of adversity. There's only one way to find out. Don't tell me about what a good Christian you are if your business is booming and your health is vibrant. We'll find out what kind of a Christian you are when your business fails and your health fails. Oh, brethren, let us be sober about this. We have a, we have a family in Virginia. Away from us today, the Mark Grimm family. How many of you remember the night that Mark Grimm raised his hand and said he wanted a prayer offered by the church for God to give him more patience? Do you remember that I warned him? Did he really know what he was asking for? Because when you ask for the Lord to give you patience, there's only one way he can give it to you. He's got to pound you a little bit and see how cheerfully you take it. And oh, it's a good pounding. It's to make us good. What kind of a military would it be if soldiers were fed Twinkies and allowed to sleep all day? We want a military where soldiers are put under hardship to toughen them and make them fighting men. And the Lord wants Christians likewise. And so He sends temptations into our lives to see how well we can endure. If our faith and trust in God is so great that regardless of difficulties, we're going to trust in Him, then we are growing into perfect Christians. But we want to let those temptations have their way with us. That's why it says in verse 4, let patience have her perfect work. Don't fight it. Don't resent it. Count it all joy and understand the purpose of it, that the Lord is making you perfect. We'll have more to say on that, but I want to go to the second lesson in the first chapter of James, and it's in verses 5 through 8. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Praise the Lord for James 1.5. Look at this verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Our young brother Chris read to us 1 Kings 3, 5 through 15, where God appeared to Solomon at Gibeon and said, Ask what you will. I want to establish you in your new kingdom. I want to bless you. What do you want? Solomon said, Give me wisdom. I'm a little child. This is your great people. I don't know what to do. Give me wisdom. The Lord loved that request. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you a long life. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you the necks of your enemies. And if you'll keep obeying me, oh, he just went on and on. And you know, as, as children, I remember reading that and thinking to myself, and I sure, I'm sure that I've done it as an adult. Oh, if the Lord would only ask me what I wanted. Oh, I would love the Lord to offer whatever I wanted. He is. He has. He says, ask and it shall be given you in Matthew chapter 7. But here, he actually offers wisdom to those that will ask. Look at the, and that, he won't just give it begrudgingly or sparingly. He'll give it liberally. What more do you want in writing from the God of heaven that he'll give you wisdom? Wisdom is the principal thing, David said. Therefore, in all thy getting, get wisdom and get understanding. And here it is offered to us in this fifth verse. Let's take this verse apart very quickly. What does it take to qualify for the offer? A lack of wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, we'll get to faith in a moment, brother. What does it take to qualify for the offer? To qualify that the offer applies to you. Lacking wisdom. You feel a little stupid this morning? The verse is for you. Lay hold of it. If any man lack wisdom. The first thing we realize is, all that it takes is a qualification for the promise or the offer here is a lack of wisdom. Well, that's easy. Praise God, I qualify. Lay hold of this verse. We're going to pray in just a minute. How can we read a verse like this and not ask Him for it immediately? It's too good of a promise. What is required to get the offer? Simply ask for it. In this context, it's ask for it. Praise the Lord, I can do that as well. How does the wisdom arrive? It comes as a gift from infinite wisdom Himself. In the Lord Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians chapter 2 tells us. And so all we do is ask, and He gives it to us. But can this, can this offer of wisdom truly be for me? I mean, for little old me? For me, I'm not very important. I didn't come from a very important family. Can it be for me? It says He gives it liberally to all men. All kinds of men. The Lord is offering wisdom. Yes, it's for you. It's for all men. All kinds of men. For you and for others. How much will He give? He tells you. He'll give it liberally. 
He'll give it generously. And the Lord is generous, brethren. The Lord is generous. I mean, he made Abraham exceeding rich. When Job passed his trials, he doubled to him everything he had before. And he was already a rich man when we started the book of Job. The Lord is generous. And he will give liberally. And by his standard. But what if he resents me for the way I've squandered wisdom in the past? What if, what if he thinks I'm asking too much? What if he thinks I've already, he's already given me enough wisdom that I shouldn't be asking for more? It says he will not upbraid you. That means he will not criticize, rebuke, or resist your request. If you've been foolish in the past, ask for forgiveness and ask for wisdom. He'll forgive on the front end and he'll give you wisdom on the back end. Are you sure of the promise? Oh, it's the written word of God. It's in writing from the God of heaven. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. You cannot ask too much. We have in the Bible the example of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2. It was time for Elijah to be transported to heaven. So he took his prophet understudy Across the Jordan River, oh, they went in a dramatic way. Elijah took his mantle, smote the waters, the river divided, and they went across on dry ground. Elijah turns to Elisha, I'm leaving. Son, I'm leaving. The Lord's going to take me into heaven. Elisha says, oh, Elijah said, is there anything I can do for you? And Elisha said, yes, there is. I would like twice your spirit. Now listen, brethren. And we've been over this many times before. Elijah had one intense spirit. Do you know what we're told about John the Baptist? We're told that John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was known for an intense spirit. Elijah had taken on all the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. He had taken on Ahab and Jezebel. And there's Elisha saying, I want twice of your spirit. Elisha said what any of us would say. You've asked a hard thing. But if you see me depart, the Lord's given you your prayer request. And do you know what it says? It says that a chariot and the angels of God came down from heaven and separated those two men and took Elijah into heaven. And here's what it says. Elisha saw them depart. Do you know what that means? Elisha got double the spirit of Elijah. And a a certain mantle fell to the ground. Elisha went over and picked up that mantle, turned around, went back to the Jordan River. He'd never done this one before. He'd seen it done. He took that mantle, smote the waters and said, where's the God of Elijah? Because I've got twice his spirit. Now I've added that second half. But where's the God of Elijah? And the waters parted and Elisha went through. You can't ask for too much wisdom. Let's interrupt this sermon right now and beg God for wisdom. Will you all pray with me? Father in heaven, we are not foolish nor do we speak lightly, but we have before us a great and precious promise of your scriptures that tell us if we lack wisdom, we can ask of you and you will give it to us liberally. You will not resent nor criticize our request and that it shall be done for us. Father in heaven, we are in need of wisdom. We do not understand all that we should. We want more wisdom, more understanding, more knowledge, more discretion, 
more prudence so that we can live more wisely in this world, so that we can know the Word of God better, so that we can rightly divide its every verse, so that we can train and lead our children, love and train our wives, relate to all the other members of this assembly, discharge our businesses, fulfill our employments, and walk before Thee in the land of the living. Heavenly Father, we see this promise and we believe it. And we would be foolish and neglectful if we passed over it without praying. Have mercy upon us. And according to your promise, grant us this wisdom liberally. We speak as boldly as Elisha, who asked for twice the spirit of Elijah. And we ask for twice the wisdom that we have had thus far. O Lord, pour out your wisdom upon us. Stir up our hearts and our minds. Teach us the things that we do not see yet. And what we see clearly, O Lord, stir up our wisdom that we will do it and keep your commandments. Have mercy upon us. We thank thee that as a father in heaven, you have opened the treasure store of heaven and offered it to those that will ask. And here we are at your feet, Father, begging that you would give us wisdom, that we would be no more children, but that we would grow in stature and in wisdom and in favor with thee and all men. Have mercy upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How can you read that verse and not want to pray? But the, it goes on to tell us, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Don't you go home or think right now or think in the car on the way home that our prayer was worthless about wisdom. Or that there's no need for you to pray for it again. Let's pray and believe. It's believing prayer that is answered by the God of heaven. Because it says in verse 7, Let not an unbelieving or doubtful or wavering man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I believe everything I just told you and everything I prayed. I believe it with all my heart. I'm not doubting or wavering about it. And I hope that you aren't as well. Elisha received twice Elijah's spirit because he believed. And we can pray the same thing. We should attempt great things from the Lord and expect great things from Him because His promises are great. I want to come to verses 9 through 11, which is the third lesson of this first chapter. We will come back to these words. There's more here. But let me read these three verses, 9 through 11. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. This is lesson number three, the vanity of riches, and the vanity of economic strata among men. There is no difference when we consider them wisely, according to the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, the rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. And brethren, listen to these words. And this leads us to the Lord's table, and that's why I wanted to race ahead to this ninth verse. This brings us to the Lord's table. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. It does not say, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he shall be exalted. He is exalted. The brother of low degree. 
That's a man who doesn't have much in the way of this world. We know that by looking at the next verse that says, but the rich. There's two categories of Christians here under consideration. Poor Christians and rich Christians. The poor Christians are addressed in verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice. Let me tell you something about the book of James. It's hard hitting. It's harsh. But it's full of joy. The second verse says, count it all joy when you fall into temptations. Then we get to verse 5, and it's a free offer of liberal wisdom. That's something to get excited about. And then it says in verse 9, if you're poor, let the brother of low degree rejoice. There's reasons to be joyful and happy. And what is it here? Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. It does, oh, I've read so many comments on this verse. It doesn't say, let the brother of low degrees that has been exalted rejoice. Some men take this to mean that those who are poor and have been made rich have a cause to rejoice. No, this is every brother that is poor, that is of a low degree, should rejoice now because of some condition that he is in. And do you know what that is? Brethren. What kind of a list do you want to hear from me? He is a blood-bought, sin-forgiven, washed, cleansed, reconciled, justified, glorified, child of the King. He's got an eternal inheritance waiting for him. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. You know, the Jews often took pride in their money and in their wealth. We still use the word Jew as a byword for that very thing to this day. But look at what it says. James, the leading Jew from the city of Jerusalem, writing Jews, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. He is a child of Almighty God. He has an eternal inheritance waiting for him. His sins have been forgiven. His name is in the book of life. He has a priest that can never die who will make intercession for him forever. He cannot be lost. Who cares what kind of a car is in the driveway or how many square feet is in his house? Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. As we come to this table, the Lord's table, and we remember what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, I am going to remind you that he that was rich was made poor, that we who were poor, might be made rich. And God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. That's what He says in chapter 2 and verse 5 of this very epistle. The Bible tells us to look around in our congregation. It says, look around, brethren, and see your calling, that not many noble, not many mighty, not many wise, not many rich are called. But God hath chosen the poor, the weak, the foolish, the base, now, do you know what he really calls you? He says, you're nothing. Right. He says he's, he's chosen those that are nothing to bring to nothing those that think they're something. Right. Praise the God of heaven. You had it read to you by our brother Bob. There was a man who was a nothing. He was a beggar named Lazarus. And he laid there and had dogs licking his sores. And there was a man that thought he was a something. And let me tell you, the funeral of the one was different than the funeral of the other. But only to these things. Only to the eyes. Because the funeral of Lazarus was a whole lot better. Lord God, send your sweet chariot and let it swing low for me and carry me to Abraham's bosom. 
rather than delivering me into hellfire. What a difference. The Lord Jesus Christ was rich. He became poor. That poor men like Lazarus could be rich for how long? Forever. And that rich men, who only have riches for a few years at best, would be poor beggars forever. You heard the rich man begging, didn't you? You know what he was begging for? He wasn't begging for his limo. He was begging for this. To be dipped in some water for this. That's serious begging. The Lord Jesus Christ did that for us. But the rich, in that he is made low. The rich, who take so much pride in their wealth, and not one of them can by any means redeem his brother. When they hear the gospel of grace and God changes their hearts, they know their money isn't for anything but to serve the kingdom of heaven. And they are humbled down, they are made low, with their understanding that they are on the same footing as the poor man. That there is no advantage in their wealth, they're not going to take it with them, and God saves them from the delusion of riches. So the rich man can rejoice in that he is made low. He's a child of God right alongside with the poor man who's a child of God. And together they sit in the house of God and together we get along just perfectly. And together all of our needs are met by the grace of God. Amen. Let the brother of low degree rejoice and let the rich rejoice in that together we know that we have an eternal inheritance and our riches don't mean a thing to anyone. Because just like the flowers and grass of the field, they're going to disappear. But we shall abide forever as the children of God. Oh, brethren, James is sweet. Will you read it with me over these next few weeks? Will you, will you delight in its verses? We'll come back to these verses and examine them more closely. We were short on time in the second service. We want to get to the Lord's table. I wanted to show you that the brother of low degree has a reason to rejoice. And the brother that's rich has a reason to rejoice. And do you know what? The reason is the same. The reason is the same. It's the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we see it right here at our table.